It's Tuesday, February 23rd, and you're tuned into the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga, joined by Paul Hoynes, our tribe beat writer. Hoynesy, day six in Goodyear. Uh, day six, and they're just going to get around to Tito's speech today. I, I, <laughs> uh, he told us yesterday that they, they broke it up into two parts. They did the housekeeping stuff on Monday, and today is his Vince Lombardi moment, his uh, his rah-rah speech, his fire up the troops, uh, you know, 15 minutes. He said... He said he still gets a little uh, a little anxious waiting for a little bit of anxiety. He said maybe that breaking it up into two days is uh, is going to chill him out a little bit. But I would expect uh, that 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 speech is is something a lot of the guys had circled on their on their itinerary on their way into camp this this year. Yeah, definitely. It's you know every manager does it. You know I think every manager kind of wants to set the tone uh, for the season for spring training and for the season and. Uh, you know, Tito's very good at it, and uh, he's got the respect of, you know, the clubhouse. I just like to see him. Is he going to be doing it from uh, from uh, his golf, golf cart, cart or will, is he going to come up like uh, Patton, you know, with the big American flag in the background, and he's going to be on his crutches with the IV, you know, coming into well, his <laughs> What struck me was that he said that they, uh, they tried to give him, instead of a crutch, they tried to give him like a peg leg, you know, something that – that strapped to his leg and it made him look like a peg leg. He said he almost fell over on that. So, so yeah, you, you conjure up the image of uh, a Patton in front of the American flag, just Tito or with Captain like, Ahab with the wooden leg. <laughs> Tito with a peg leg was is just, you know, we're, uh, sea shanties are coming back into style. Uh, Hoinsey, everybody's singing she, uh, sea sea shanties now on TikTok. So, uh, we'll have to get you a TikTok account and, and, and let you follow that along. Uh, I, I thought it was interesting. One point that Tito did make was that, yeah, everybody, you know, Jose Ramirez has, has heard this speech before. Even guys like Shane Bieber's probably heard it two or three times already. But a guy like in camp who's, who's like 21 years old, like Bo Naylor, uh, the, the future of the franchise in, in terms of who, who's going to be here in a few years, uh, they haven't heard it yet. And Tito said that the one thing he wants to avoid is somebody stepping out of line or doing something because they just didn't know, and he'd rather have them ask questions up front than than do something not knowing. Yeah, you know, you 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 set, you know, I don't think he has a lot of rules, a lot of you know, you know, rules. But you probably set the, you know, whatever rules you do have, you set them, you know, kind of, you know, give the framework of them. And uh, like, uh, yeah, like you said, Joe. I mean, there's a lot of young guys in there. There's always turnover on a team, and uh, you know, you have to know the do's and don'ts of, uh, you know, what the manager wants. You want to keep him happy. And imagine a couple of guys are going to walk out of that uh, that meeting, which should be wrapping up anytime uh, right now out there in the desert uh, as we're recording this uh, in the 11 o'clock hour. Uh, imagine a bunch of guys be able to, to throw a ball through a brick wall after hearing something uh, like that, uh, you know, just, just fired up for the rest of the day. Uh, we did hear yesterday from uh, American League Cy Young winner, uh, Shane Bieber, he is in camp. He's looks like he's fully recovered from his uh, his bout with COVID nineteen after testing positive. Uh, didn't really go into too much detail about that, but uh, did say he was working out at the facility and and the, the protocols worked because nobody else, you know, there was no spread. He tested positive, but but it was contained, and he came back. He's he's now working with the the club, and everything seems to be on track. Yeah, you know, he's going to throw B, uh, live BP on Wednesday. Uh, and then he says uh, that'll put him on a five-day, you know, a program. He'll be, I guess he'll be ready to, 
pitch, you know, not the not the uh, the opener against the Reds on February 28th, but you know, a couple of days down the road, he should be in line to go out and throw a couple of innings. Right. It's it's not necessarily uh, the norm to see your your number one starter pitch the first game of the exhibition. Yeah. That's that's not necessarily what you do. I believe Jeffrey Rodriguez uh, pitched the opener right. last year for exactly. the uh, yeah. for the Indians. So, uh, you know, guys, it, it really isn't a very telling sign who pitches that first game. But the Indians do say they've got nine guys lined up. If the uh, if the Reds want to play or if they want to bat for nine innings, at least uh, they should have nine guys lined up for that first game. Yeah, and they're going to play a um, they're going to play a uh, you know an inter squad game on the twenty seventh, kind of to get tuned up for that game. Uh, I, I thought, you know, with talking to Beaver was interesting, Joey, you know, obviously uh, the subject of a contract extension came up and, uh, you know, usually guys kind of dance around with, you know, well, yeah, if, the, if they want to, I'd, I'd certainly talk to, talk to him about it. You know, they're kind of uh, noncommittal, but he was, to me, I, I just got a, you know, a real positive vibe that he wanted to see what the Indians had to say and uh, was, uh, you know, kind of uh, intrigued by the whole situation. Yeah. It, it, you, the, the word you use there, positive vibe, uh, positive energy. He, he his entire uh, you know press session there, uh, he was very animated, was was very positive and, and smiling. And if, if you're Shane Bieber, why why wouldn't you be? You're you're the king of the world right now, basically, uh, before the season starts. Uh, maybe he had a glass of orange juice became before he came in there and, and sat down and talked to us on Zoom. But he he had a little extra pep. He, he was animated, and when he was asked about uh, the contract status and whether. Uh, the Indians had approached him about an extension or, uh, you know, whether he would be open to one. He, he was very, very positive, very, uh, you know, open to it, uh, I guess, in, in his remarks. Uh, is this something from the Indian side that you think that, A, they're looking to do right now, given their financial state, and B, that they're able to do or uh, that, that they would want to do right now is now the right time to do it? Well, I think it is, Joe. They usually, if if you look back at their history, they usually do these contract extensions. You know, during spring training, they kind of you know kick the tires on it, and toward the end of spring training, you know, they'll announce a couple of them, or early in April, at least that's what they used to do. And you know, I think this is probably, you know, you you get Bieber isn't eligible for arbitration till the end of the year, so you know you're getting him at a, at an at a, at a point in his career where you know it makes some sense to maybe buy uh, three or four years, you know, three years of arbitration, a, a year of free agency. If, if you could do a four-year deal or something like that, you could, you could do that. And, you know, you're really kind of, uh, you know, you're setting the cost, you, you know, you have cost control of your salary, you know, your payroll going forward. And, uh, you know, you're also wrapping up one of the best pitchers in, in the big leagues. And it's kind of an intriguing situation. I don't know if, their current financial situation would play into, you know, four, three, four, five years down the road. But you could structure it in a way that you did the Corey Kluber deal, uh, you know, back in what, 2015, I, I believe it was. Yeah, and it, it, structure it in a way that there are escalators, elevators, uh, you know, uh, performance enhancers, uh, performance enhancers, performance clauses that, uh, you know, sort of boost it and keep it in line with what, uh, what his value would be if he continues on the trajectory that he's on. But you would also guard against injury and, you know, a downturn in performance or anything like that if you lock him in. Those are, those are the advantages on the club side. From Beaver's perspective, he saw Francisco Lindor just sit it out 
and waited out knowing that if he got to that sixth year, he, he was going to make money. I mean, Bieber's first year arbitration number is probably going to be somewhere north of $10 million, right? Well, I don't, you know, that's, that's a great question. I, I don't know, you know, cause he's only, this is his first year. You'd have to see what, what, you know, first year, first year, uh, you know, pitchers, you know, what his service class is, what, right. where he, where he ranks. I'm not sure where, where he would fall if he could take that big a jump from what making a minimum. That's what he's probably going to make uh, about 700 grand this year, you know, five on between 500 and 700 grand, I would think. And then you go from there to 10 million. That's a big jump. So I, well, I, I, a top three finish, a top three finish again this year in Cy Young has got to put him at least in that kind of consideration. I, I think uh, so. I think you're right. And, uh, but, and, and that makes it, you know, even next year would make it hard for the Indians to afford him as a, uh, you know, a, under, under arbitration. So again, you, you want to do something to sort of maybe address cost control early and upfront. Yeah. And uh, you know, and I also, you know, with him, you know, well, he, he was around Bauer. He was around um, Bauer. He was around, uh, you know, uh, Clevenger. Those two guys did not take, uh, you know, you know, a, an extension and they tried to sign Bauer, but they couldn't. And I don't know if they, you know, Clevenger, I know was open to discussing it, but uh, I don't know if they were a little leery of his delivery or what, you know, I mean, they may have, you know, thought he was an accident waiting to happen. Delivery or other, other aspects that, that they uh, might have been hearing. But then before him, Carrasco signed two extensions and Kluber signed an extension. So, right. you know, it's kind of a mixed bag. And I don't know if that, how much those four pitchers would influence uh, Bieber's, you know, uh, Bieber's you know, approach to this thing. Well, from a fan's perspective, I, I guess fans would hope that, that he would lean more towards learning from Kluber and Carrasco than he would from uh, Clevenger and, and Bauer. Uh, although, Learning what you can from Bauer, making a hundred million dollar contract uh, in, in your first free agent deal was, uh, you know, nothing to sneeze at. Yeah, Bauer did okay for himself. Yes, he did. All and, right, move, move, go ahead. The one thing with ba uh, with uh, Bieber, I thought he was it was interesting that he was kind of driven by that Yankee loss, you know, in the in the in the postseason. That that was a that was an interesting uh, kind of look into his personality. Yeah, second uh, second pitcher, uh, second day in a row, who's who's brought up the the loss to the Yankees in the wild card series and sort of an an underperforming moment after a good season. Karen Jack said it on uh, on Sunday. He he's still frustrated, haunted by his performance uh, in the in the wild card game too. Uh, obviously, Bieber had what a dozen fantastic starts during the yeah. regular season and uh, laid one gigantic goose egg in the uh, in the playoffs. And and he said it was. It was their approach. It was the Yankees' approach yeah. that really got him. They laid off. They were able to lay off his curveballs down uh, below the zone. Uh, they would swing, swing, swing. Then he'd throw the curveball, and they'd lay off. And they picked up the spin real well. Uh, so, so that forced him to go back and, and revamp his slider, uh, give himself another pitch to uh, not not necessarily give it. He, he already had it, but you know, make it a more effective pitch for when they are going to take that approach and, and lay off his curveball. Yeah, because we saw teams do that later in the season against uh, against uh, Bieber. Uh, I think Kansas City did it to them mm -hmm. at, at Royal Stadium one day, and they, you know, they were pretty effective against it. So, you know, he's going to have to adjust. It's what the old saying: it's a game of adjustments. And I guess you, you can do it in the, the best part. The best time to do it is in the off season. Right.
With Indians baseball right around the corner, there's never been a better time for you to register for Indian subtext. Our subscriber-based service gives you the inside scoop and analysis on the Indians. For $3.99 a month, you get everything we're hearing and the first word before things are announced. We text you big breaking news directly to your phone, even before it's up on cleveland.com. And you can text us directly with your questions and opinions. It's a great way to avoid the trolls on social media, and it's the only way to get your questions and comments on the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. Why should you sign up? Here's one of our subscribers, Bill from Arizona. I think it's great the way uh, uh, you guys have handled it this year and appreciate the fact that, you know, you usually, uh, when you're able, respond pretty uh, quickly, either just to me or to, you know, to, to everybody. And it's nice to have a little insight on some things and then maybe an hour or two later, the story will break. I kind of feel like I'm sort of, you know, on the QT in the know and it's fun. Bill and all of our Indian subtext subscribers agree. There's a lot going on with the team and the best way to keep up is with Indian subtext. Go to joinsubtext.com slash Cleveland Indians or text Hoinsey or Joe at 216-208-4346. Again, that's joinsubtext.com slash Cleveland Indians or send a text message to 216-208-4346. We look forward to having you as a member of Indian subtext. Uh, okay, we, we found out yesterday that Fran Mil Reyes, uh, a couple weeks ago in the Dominican Republic, while uh, while working out in the outfield, uh, tracking fly balls, uh, twisted his right ankle. And ever since then, uh, taking batting practice, live batting practice has been uh, a little on the painful side for him. He said, uh, otherwise, he's he's fine taking regular batting practice. Uh, just, just the swings a little bit different mechanically. But uh, where is Framil Reyes going to play this year, or is he going to just finally resign himself to just being a DH uh, from, from what we heard from Tito? I don't know, Joe. I think uh, maybe they give him a, you know, kind of a tentative look out in the outfield, you know, in right field. Uh, but I think he's the DH, you know, I think he'll, he'll DH and maybe, you know, you get him, maybe you can stick him out there in, in a interleague game when, when you're in a national league ballpark. But uh, I would think this guy's going to see the majority of his time at DH. I just, it just seems like that, you know, that's, that's the way this thing is headed. Yeah. The, uh, the simplest answer is usually the correct one. And, and, and that's uh, uh, Framo Reyes is built like a DH. That's where he's going to be. So, uh, but he said he's played right field his entire life uh, and, you know, really seemed genuinely, you know, sort of like he wanted to be out there and be in the outfield. It just doesn't give the Indians the best, you know, defensive setup if he's, if he's, if he's able to do that. Yeah. You know, and, and I think, you know, what he said was, I, you know, I agree with a hundred percent. If you're a two-way player, you're in, involved in the game the whole way for all, all nine innings, you make a great play in the outfield, you know, and, and you come up, uh, to plate that same inning, the bottom of that inning, you know, that you're fired up. You want to, you want to keep it, keep that role going. And I think he misses that. That's, that's a hard, you know, he's DH before, obviously coming up in the minor leagues, I think, and uh, with San Diego. And, and uh, so he knows, you know, he has some kind of routine between the bats, but you know, it's a long time to sit in the dugout between the bats, even if you're going good. Uh, Framil was also asked about the, uh, the balls, major league baseballs. Uh, he was asked about how, uh, you know, the balls are a little bit different this year. Uh, one of the clubbies told him 
these balls aren't flying anywhere. They're dead. Uh, you know, what are you going to do? And I think the studies have shown on balls hit more than 375 feet that they're going to lose a, an average of about a foot of, of distance uh, of carry uh, with these balls, I, I guess, is what the uh, what the science is, is showing. Uh, Fran Mill's approach was great. Though. He said he said he crept up next to the clubby. He whispered in his ear, wait until Fran Mill gets a hold of one, though. So yeah. I, I, I think uh, I, I think it doesn't matter when you're hitting the ball 500 feet like Framil hits it. Yeah. It's not going to matter if the ball's dead or not. Yeah. And, and so the, the clubby was rubbing the balls up probably. And, and uh, Framil, he, and he told them what he, there's a difference in the balls. Is that what happened? Is that, I think. Yeah. What, there's a difference in the balls. It's, it's no different to Framil. <laughs> I love it when he talks about himself in the third person. And, and uh, you know, Andre, now one of our, uh, our friends here on the beat, he, he asked him, He's got a camera trained on him every time he takes batting practice at uh, at Progressive Field because he's just waiting for Framil to hit the scoreboard. That's the big goal is for Framil to hit the scoreboard. Uh, Andre wants to to play that during a game. Uh, he wants to capture that moment uh, with the with the new balls. Who knows? Uh, I, they bring the batting practice balls from Arizona back uh, back to Cleveland, and those are the balls that they generally use during batting practice uh, throughout much of the season. I know because I've, uh, I've I've got one actually right here that has that uh, that Arizona label on it. Oh you know, yeah, you, you gotta you gotta watch out for those. Um, but it, it's not going to make a difference. This guy hit one in Detroit. Uh, I hit two of them in Detroit last year that I think still haven't landed. So oh my god, those it doesn't are shots. matter. Yeah, and whether it goes what uh, five hundred feet or four hundred ninety-five feet, it's not make that doesn't make much of a difference. Yeah, still counts as a run. So. Uh, we also talked to, uh, the ageless one, the, the guy who is pitching in perpetuity, uh, Oliver Perez in camp, uh, silver hair and all. And he said when he, uh, when he leaves spring training and goes home at night, he feels like he's 39, but when he comes back to the clubhouse, he feels like a rookie again. Yeah, that was great. That was a great quote. And it's great to see Oliver uh, back. I think, um, uh... You know, this is his third year in, in a row with the Indians, third or fourth season with, with the Indians. That's yeah. And uh, that is uh, that's impressive for a guy, you know, it's, it's kind of, you know, he's really at, at the tail end of his career. He's he's, you know, reinvented himself once again. I think, uh, you know, he showed last season he could he could handle. He's not you know limited by the uh, three batter rule. And uh, the Indians need a lefty. And I, I loved when he was talking about all his, his arm angles and, mm-hmm. and uh, when he turns and when he doesn't turn and the Louis Tian moves. So uh, that was interesting to say that, that he does it when nobody's on base, right? I think that's what he was Right. Well, I, I asked him about his hesitation moves. And I said, do you have a, a stable of like three or four go-to moves? Or do you know what you're going to do before? You know, is there a plan? Do you set it up like a, like a chess move? Like, do you set it up three moves in advance? Like, if I go quick now, then I can go with the full turn uh, on the next pitch and then a slide step the next one. You know, I, I asked him about that approach, and he says it, there's two parts to each pitch like that because you have to know what you're throwing, if I'm throwing a fastball, if I'm throwing a curveball or a changeup, whatever. And then then you have to decide what the mechanic is is going to be. And, and plus, if there's a runner on base, like you said, yeah. There, there is a moment where you have to come to a set position. So you can't go quick. You can't slide step or quick pitch them, uh, you know, too much uh, outside the rules of that. 
He said, so when there's no runners on base, that you'll see a lot more of it. But then I asked him if Roberto Perez, the catcher, knows what's coming. And he said, Roberto's just got to be ready for anything. <laughs> I like I liked when uh, the, the hesitation pitch, what is Whitgren is doing it now? I didn't know yep. that. He, he's, he's kind of in, incorporated that into his repertoire. More than once, uh, more than once last season, you saw Whitgren go to it. And it's not something he relied on as much as Perez sort of in situations will rely on that when he knows he can't get a fastball by a guy or something, but because Wicker can certainly throw a fastball by somebody, yeah. but every once in a while to see it makes you go, Oh, wow. He's <laughs> Wicker's been sitting there watching this guy. So yeah. It, 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 and he said, you know, Oliver Perez said, it's, it, it's great to, to sort of have guys pick up on those, those things and, and learn them and, and develop them and, and then use them in games. Yeah. He's uh, hopefully, uh, you know, there's a spot for him in the bullpen because I think he helps on the field and, and in the clubhouse too, Joe. Finally, we, uh, we did get a chance to talk to Cesar Hernandez, uh, who decided to come back to Cleveland, said he had other offers, but said uh, Cleveland was where he wanted to be. He felt comfortable, felt comfortable with the, the players and the staff around him. Uh, and, and that's why he came back, took a pay cut to do it, which, you know, seems pretty interesting, but, uh, for, for Hernandez, it's going to be different this year because instead of being the guy who needs to get broken in at second base with the established shortstop, he's going to be the second baseman breaking in, uh, the, the established second baseman breaking in the new shortstop in either Ahmed Rosario, Andres Jimenez, Yu Chang, whoever it is. Uh, Hernandez has, uh, you know, a bit of a history with both Rosario and Jimenez. Uh, Jimenez being a, a young Venezuelan player uh, as a countryman of, of Hernandez, uh, Med Rosario, a guy that he's seen uh, in his time in the National League East with the with the Phillies as Rosario was playing with the Mets. Yeah, so I, I, I got the impression he didn't think it would be that, you know, that that big a transition. Um, he hasn't played, obviously, he hasn't played with either guy, but, you know, there's no language barrier. All the all three of the, the you know, everybody speaks, uh, you know, Spanish. And, uh, you know, he adjusted so quickly to uh, Lindor that I don't think he's going to have much of a problem, whoever's the shortstop there, you know, Jimenez or, or Rosario, or maybe maybe even Chang gets in there for, for a few reps. So I think and he played with Chang last year and all through, uh, you know, summer camp. So I think that'll work out well. I, I thought it was interesting to me that, um, that uh, Hernandez uh, – you know, played 10, 12 games in Venezuela in winter ball just to kind of get tuned up for uh, spring training. And, uh, you know, you don't usually see the veteran guys, you know, that have been around that long uh, do that. And I maybe I think he, I think he said it was, you know, simply because last season was so short and he was getting ready for camp. And, you know, that's a good way to, to get ready, I guess, you know. Yeah. I mean, if that's an option, if it's if it's not going to be too risky in terms of, uh, you know, risking anything health wise, uh, by all means, if the at-bats are out there, go and get them and, and, and make yourself better for the season. Uh, yeah, I, I can't imagine the adjustment period took too long for Hernandez with Lindor when, you know, pretty much every throw at the bag is going to hit you in the chest. And, yeah. you know, when you got a guy who's, who's so uh, fundamentally sound as, as Lindor is, uh, that's, that's not a problem. Uh, could be interesting, could be different with, uh, with Ahmed Rosario, because this is a guy who's got all the athleticism in the world, but 
to in in Hernandez's words, uh, he likes to take. He doesn't like to. He takes risks. He's he's not afraid yeah. to take risks. That to me, when I hear a, a middle infielder saying something like that, that uh, you know makes it sound like he's not sure where the ball is going to be sometimes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh. Or the the shortstop is trying to make the great play, and sometimes you know, makes the great play, but doesn't make the routine play. That's what it right. sounded like to me that, right. that right. It, exactly. it's going to be a learning experience that way. But the last thing that, uh, that we, we, we left off, left off with Hernandez was uh, we had just found out that uh, governor DeWine is looking at a 30% capacity for fans at games. Uh, once the season gets underway in Cincinnati and Cleveland, uh, that's great news. I, I guess for the Indians, you're, you're talking upwards of 10,000 fans. Uh, possibly in the stands. Uh, we asked Hernandez, who never got a chance to play in front of a full progressive field crowd uh, last season, you know, what it what it's like or what it would what he's looking forward to with the fans in the stands. He says it's an honor to play in front of a full stadium like that. And he's really looking forward to it. Uh, I think all the Indians would echo that sen uh, sentiment. Oh, yeah, it's got to be. It's got to be at least a, a little motivation, Joe, just, you know, after playing, it was only 60 games, but you know, it seemed like a long, long time that season, you know, the two spring trainings, uh, you know, spring, you know, the, the buildup. I mean, it, it just seemed like a long season last year and to do it with nobody in the stands. That just makes it, you know, it makes you, you know, you, you, you don't know if you're playing big league games or minor league games. So with some fans in the stands, that'll definitely uh, pick up the energy in the ballpark. All right. Well, we are looking forward to. Uh, another day of camp, another day of uh, interviews with, with some uh, with Terry Francona and a, and a bunch of players. I think we uh, we might get to talk to the American League MVP runner-up uh, Jose Ramirez uh, at some point today. Uh, yeah, he's and, on the schedule. He's on the he's on the interview schedule. So uh, stay tuned for uh, you know our posts and, and comments off of that, and we'll uh, we'll have more to say about it tomorrow on the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. Twenty, we'll catch you then.